Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, the, uh, the most significant thing, uh, we've got a few folks coming in, so we'll drag my feet a minute. First, let's uh, welcome uh, Ryan. Did you drive up here all by yourself, Ryan? Really? Oh, wonderful. Welcome. Are you really sure you need to take your son home? Is that... Nobody's going to like you. I mean, you're not a bad guy, but they're not going to like you here. We like him. We're, we're big in this adoption thing. That's what God did to all of us. He adopted us, you know. You get that, right? Okay. Could we uh, break up the party in the back there, you guys? Yeah. Um, one of the most important things for all of us is to get off the somebody else's going to be a hero. Because you're the only one that can do what you're called to do. I'm the only one that can take care of me. And we, we continually talk about uh, the, the, um, the limitations and the dependency. But what we're doing in this accountability to God, we have to do by ourselves with the creative, unlimited power of Almighty God because you have been birthed, adopted as sons. And you sit here and I stand here as a growing son. I've said many times, I don't want to know how old God thinks I am. Because of the variety and the, the slipshod idiocy of the human soul to want to gravitate and get all the information you can get about God and yet live for years without a knowledge of his personage. Because there's no growth until you can really believe that you're brand new. You're a new creation. Everything that was has passed away. You're a son in motion. Uh, I, you know, Oliver, that was kind of a strange name. And I said, Oliver, Oliver. And, and then, I don't know, I all of a sudden liked him. I don't know why I did. Well, it, you know, because he's, he's born out of our, our crowd here. Can I, I just see the hands now of all the children that were born here? That, and you're not children anymore. Anyone who was born while living here in Alaska, get your hands up. Don't be ashamed. I mean, you know. Could I see them? Ah, quite a few. I, I thought there were more than that, but that's okay. 
where, where they're traveling, camping. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, and when Paul, you know, people are upset when you talk about their, their age or their limitations or their childishness or their infancy. They don't like it, but it's true. And you have to face it. And Paul was pretty good at it. And uh, he, uh, he says in Galatians 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons. Now, when God says you are, you are. It doesn't make any difference how you feel about it. It does in terms of forward motion, but uh, when God purchases you and me, and when you actually, he had called you and you responded, and, and you were, a, a great deal of things changed. But you've heard me say it, I'm gonna say it a lot until it's inside you. The, the greatest thing that is yet to come is to get off the charismatic merry-go-round of all the wonderful things. I mean, it's wonderful that you could be born again. Yeah. That all things are new, isn't it? Yeah. That you were baptized in the Spirit. When, when the presence of God and I began to speak in tongues and I spoke in tongues on the freeway and my situation was bad, I called a psychiatrist and I said, I think I've lost it. But he was a friend of mine, and he said, yeah, I think you have. Uh, so, so that wasn't a real good start, except there was, there was a continuity and an awareness of a dimension of spirit of the unseen. And if you and I keep only looking at what we see, we, we don't go anywhere. Okay, we flat out. Um, and in verse 7 of Galatians 4, it's, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. So the privilege of a son is tremendous. I, I have an appointment. I felt the Holy Spirit said for me today to call a, a counselor friend that I care a great deal about. There are several of them. But one of them especially. And that... Uh, the transformation from um, uh, a servant to a son is, is a wonderful thing. It, it's, it's the processing. But, uh, and then, then Paul doesn't get kind here. He says, how be it then when, you're in, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature were no gods. But now after you have known God, and this is smart, he's so smart here, because he's got the Spirit, the spirit of God. You brighten up and God is very good to you and me. He says that he's gonna teach us all things. Is that good? Yes. The Holy Spirit's gonna teach us all things. And you don't get that in a classroom. You don't get it by going to Yale, Harvard, or anywhere else. You get it because you are looking 
and dwelling in that which you cannot see. And you and I have to bag largely the great things of Whitestone, the baptism in the Spirit, the fact that you can stand and prophesy to nations, the fact that you may be gifted to look into the heart of an individual and know whether they are uh, sinking in despair. All of those good things you have to drop and step out into nowhere unknown and still believe that God's with you. Because we, we've got individuals who, who rely, you know, are not rely on that scripture. Well, I'll just say it again. When Jesus said, you search the scriptures, you, you know, he was indicating that you're not going to find me there. You have to come to me. And when you come to me, you have life. So, God help us. God help us to see that. But it says, but now after you're known, if you have known God, but rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements? And please understand me, I'm not trying to be critical on this. It's just a fact that unless you're, you're, you're believing and walking and living in a dimension of the spirit, you, they're beggarly elements. You're not going to go in. You're just, it's a waste of time. And I've, you know, you're looking at a time waster. I've wasted a lot of time thinking that gathering the information was the way. And uh, it really isn't. But you're new. You're a son in motion. And God is going to back you, win or lose. If you stop and go nowhere, he will still, after the fact, give you the, the heavenly body. You sit with the promise of that. And, and that seems, it seems just absolutely, because everything you have learned largely from mother, father, and ministry that didn't know. I have to confess to a counselor that we've turned in the last seven or eight years, slowly, yes, but we have turned from, oh my God, if I don't do this, I'm in jeopardy, to the reality is, oh my God, I had no idea of the dimension of God's everlasting love for me. Okay, and I, I'm, I know I'm taking a little more time here, but hear this. I'm going to spend some time, especially you young ones, high school, junior high. Take some time in Jeremiah 32, and I'm just, I'll spot a couple of things. He says in 30, verse 37, I will gather them out of all countries which I have driven them in my anger and in my fury and in great wrath. And I will bring them unto this place and I'll cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. He's talking about Israel there and he's talking about everybody that wasn't. And then he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them 
that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts, and they shall not depart from me. And then he says, Yea, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will plant them in this land. I want you to hear this. Please write this on your, you know, when people are tattooing their bodies with all kinds of idiocies. It's, it, to me, it's gross. But, you know, they didn't know when they were doing it that it was gross. They didn't know, most of them, when they did it, that it, that their body belonged to God. And some of the things you and I have done are pathetic and sick, and we should not be judgmental of anyone, anywhere, for whatever they've done because of the mercy and the grace that sits on your head today, right where you sit. Undeservedly so, where I stand undeservedly so, with the mercy and goodness of God. And here's what God himself said. <laughs> I will plant them in this land assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. Now tell me, is that good? Do you, would you, do you think God, um, <coughs> when I discovered God had a soul, Says he does. He's a spirit, but he still thinks. And he still has a will. And he has a heart. And, and a lot of the things that are projected about him are ridiculous. There are people thinking that he repents for this and he does that. And some of the things can confuse you. But don't, let, don't be confused. You're, if you die to yourself every day and the most significant thing really is growth. It's growth. It's not information. And I told you the other day I could not believe the glut and the lust I had for just information. And now we can have it at our fingertips. Information. Well, yeah, it's nice that a doctor knows. It's nice that somebody teaching lit may have some idea here and there. But for you, you want to know the author. If you know him and your relationship and accountability is to him, you won't have any trouble loving anybody else no matter what they put on their body, in their body, or what they're doing. You'll be, a, you'll be saviors if that's what God has for you. Because he had saviors on Mount Zion. Not single savior. Saviors. And you're called to redeem creation. But first, it would be real good if we did it. And let's gather and but when you gather here today, understand who you are. You're not just anybody. The devil's traffic is to put you down and to, to mess you up 
and to have you get in the tangle of your own analysis. And the only way out of it is to have a fixed heart on where God is. God help us. Lord, be with us today. Okay, let's gather.
Yesterday morning, uh, Brother Tom said that uh, concerning the openings, he read uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, and he said uh, to us that uh, the reason uh, there's a blessing there is because you are sharing not from uh, just your knowledge, but you're sharing from uh, what God is doing through you. And when that happens, then it's, uh, it blesses our hearts. And what happens is that uh, uh, the speaker has to be anointed, but also we that are there listening, we have to be anointed because we don't know when God is going to speak. And the interesting thing that even if the speaker is not anointed, if your ears are anointed, you still get blessed. Because God is there, and He is interested in speaking to you. And so, but when both are anointed, then uh, it's a great blessing. And it happens uh, when you're less expected. And so the other day, um, the other day when uh, David Brooks spoke about the parable of the prodigal son, it just opened up my eyes. Uh, it's not that I have never read it, or, or, but, but you know, there's something when the Holy Spirit is there, right. suddenly enlightens you in a way that you had not seen it before, right. and it speaks to you. And so I was greatly blessed by that. Yeah. Also by the open, openings, because I know that you, we all, we're all speaking from our hearts from what we go through. Every place I've been to, I always look for a particular place where I can uh, open up my heart to God uh, with nobody seeing me, nobody hearing, but, but just, just me uh, crying out to the Lord. And I have had a few places uh, when I was at Boysville from uh, the farm that is called The Ridge. There's a little road that goes to the cemetery. And I used to walk that road and just, just speak my heart to the Lord. And back at the farm in Mexico, there's a huge orchard there. And I'll go among the trees. And I'll, I'll cry there for an answer because I know he always has an answer, no matter what we go through. And lately I've been going through this little road. They call that what? The, that connects the, here the end of the, of the school, of the annex goes down down to the garden. Excellent place. Nobody's there. <laughs> Once in a while you find a moose or something, but, but uh, you got to find a place where you can cry out to the Lord because we're a needed people. We need an answer and you'll not find it here. You'll not find it in this book. You'll find it by pouring your heart to the Lord. He wants that from us. And of course we when we hear the openings, we know that some people are, are driven to the point where they are desperate for an answer. And the only way we can find it is there. And uh, some of our pains are physical, some of our pains are emotionally, emotional. And they are as, as real to us as anything else. And so I've been doing that. 
chapter 3 of, of John, or the Gospel of John, there's a scripture there that all of us probably, all of you probably know by memory. I used to quote this a lot when we go out in the streets to evangelize and to try to explain to the unbeliever that they had a hope that there was a God that was after them and, and he loved them. And uh, we learned to, uh, we knew that God loved everybody and so we can very confidently uh, sit down there with somebody at a park and no matter how they look like, no matter who they were, we'll tell them God loves you and his son died for you. But I want to read it again to you because it's only one verse and that verse uh, tells us what God is, what God's plan was. So for God so loved the world and so right away he's going to tell us that the plan includes love. But we'll see what he says. But we have found so far, God so loved the world, we have found that that love is not like the love we know. We're slowly finding out throughout the years that there's a love that is higher than anything we ever knew. Does not act like uh, our love. It's different. And also, not only the quality, but the enduring of that, of that love. And not only that, but he said he gave. So he's talking about not taking, but giving. And so that is telling us in our lives, if you're going to follow that God, you're going to have to give, not take. First we take what he gave us, but now we need to give to each other. And so he's telling us, that's, that's the way it is going to be. And then what? He gave his only son, so he gave the best thing he had. And I believe that some of you are finding out that it's requiring of us what we cherish the more. The more, the more. Unfortunately, sometimes it's ourselves. As we have found out, we love ourselves more than we should. Right. And he's asking us to give that. Give it up, give it. Nobody forced him to do that. It was a willing offering out of the love he had for us. He gave his only son. There's a scripture there in Isaiah that is very difficult to understand. He said, it pleased him to bruise him. I couldn't do that. I only got one son, but I got, I got blessed with three daughters. I cannot understand the ancient cultures and some of the cultures today, uh, even today, that don't want girls. They just don't. And in ancient cultures, it was worse than that. But I found out that it's such a great blessing. Once upon a time, I, I ran into this fellow. I was hitchhiking from the farm. I don't know why, what happened, but sometimes you forget that the reasons, but I was hitchhiking. I had to get out of the farm 
to go get some help for some, I, don't, I forgot what, but I was hitchhiking. And so this truck stopped by and picked me up. Uh, but I went in the back of the truck. And then uh, after a few minutes, he stopped again and picked up another fellow. And, and so I, I was talking to him because I think I was going maybe 45 minute ride or something like that. And, and he said, well, he said, where do you live? So I told him, oh, he said, oh, back there, yeah. And he said, how many children do you have? And I said, well, I got three girls and a boy. Oh, he said, you are blessed. You are very blessed. He said, I'm going home right now. He said, I've been working all day long. And I get home and I see my son and he'll say, hi, good to see you. And that's it. He said, but my girl, said, my girl will come and say, Papito, how did your day go? Let me, let me get your shoes off. Let me bring you a drink. He said, oh, he said, you're so blessed with three girls. <laughs> and he was telling the truth. Greatly blessed with three girls. But he had only one son. And so that scripture that pleased him, pleased him to bruise him. Unless we come to his heart, we don't understand that. Why would he do such a thing? But that was the way things began, and that's the way he went. And then he said that whoever believes, so all we had to do was believe. That's why Hebrews make such a big deal of unbelief. And so we did not need to perform anything. We did not need to fast 40 days and 40 nights in order to get there. We didn't have anything to do that, and we didn't see that at the beginning. We thought we had, like Brother Bill just said, we, we thought we had to do something. And even, even now, we still think sometimes, I need to do something to deserve his love, to deserve uh, what he has. No, all we have to do is believe. So in the midst of our problems, when things are getting very difficult, I need to believe. I need to believe. And so he said, whoever believes what? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so the program wasn't, uh, and then you'll join a move, wonderful move of God. Then you'll join a beautiful farm like Weston. No. You know, those things are temporal. And they disappoint also. Right? been disappointed here right I haven't been here long enough but long enough to be disappointed right because we just said we just said I'm looking for a better country and this is not that country this is not that country we're looking for something better something that is eternal so he said for anybody that believes he gave what Eternal life, everlasting life, a quality of life that we need. Actually, is the only life we need. We don't need any other life. Everlasting life. Now there in the, in the book of Luke, where David quoted the, there, he didn't read us anything, he just quoted. That chapter starts with two stories first. 
And interestingly enough, if you want to be included in that uh, group that he was talking to, you know, after many years uh, you walk with the Lord, you come to think that you are not in this group. But we are. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. That's the crowd he's going to speak to. That's how the chapter starts. He's there, and the first verse says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. So he's setting up the, sta the, the stage for what he's going to say. These men receive sinners and eats with them. That would be a good charge for us too. That would be a, that was a compliment. They thought it uh, as a bad thing, but it was a compliment. He said, these men receive sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them saying, and so he goes into two stories. The first one is about a, about a, a man that has 99, I mean, he has 100 sheep and then he loses one and then he goes and finds it. That's the first story. The second story is about a woman that lost the coin and, and looks for it. And both stories end up about repentance. Both stories speak about repentance, about people repenting from their own ways and coming back when they saw something better. And then he goes into the third story that is labeled the prodigal son, son which is mislabeled. Because you know what he's talking about? He's not talking about that son. If anything, he's talking about the second son. But more than that, he's, spoken about, he's speaking about a, a God that no matter what, loves both of them. Not only that, he's going after them. And so about the first son, all of you know what happens. He comes and he said, uh, listen, uh, give, me up what, give me what I deserve. Now, throughout the story, you realize that neither one of them know him. I don't know why he dwells more in the first one when to, to me, the second one is the one that's in a greater need. Because yeah. the first one realizes what is in him and go ahead, go ahead, go, goes ahead and does what he wants to do. Yeah. Openly. Just goes and live it up. That's what he does. And then, but you know, God had, had a plan. Brother Sam used to say, give them some rope. Back there at the ranch in Mexico is a cowboy country. And it's quite a sight, quite a sight to see those folks work. And one thing that really impressed me watching them is that there'll be a wild cow or a wild calf, and they want to, to get it for whatever reason. And so they're just there with a rope. And then before you know it, they throw the rope and get, 
get the, the neck of the cow. Just to do that is, and then what, they know when the, when the calf of the cow starts running, they get rid of the rope and somehow they lean back at a certain point, they had the rope behind them. At a certain point, they, they step back and guess what? The cow falls down. How do they do that? I don't know. I just don't know, but they do it. And I saw it several times. They're good at it. Very good cowboys. So this, this boy gets some rope. But at one point, God knows what he's going to do. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And so ends up uh, hungry. Not for the Lord, but hungry. And not only hungry, he's, if he, evidently he was a Jewish boy, he ends up there with the pigs. He didn't want to do that to start with. But the rope led him there. So he's there, and he, he said he comes to his senses. How many of you have come to your senses? Uh -huh. And suddenly I realized, hey, what am I doing here? I have a father. He still doesn't understand that because he said he's going to go back and tell him, I, I want to be your servant. Because I don't deserve to be your son. Well, he didn't to start with, neither do we. We don't deserve, uh, we just heard also from Brother Bill, we, we don't deserve that, but it's ours. And so he goes back and he's going to tell this story and as you have seen it, uh, read it, when he starts telling the story, what happens? Some versions very nicely said he did not listen to him. He ignored him. Totally ignored his, his petition. Didn't care about that. He said, hey. But before that, which is really to me, the main part of the story. I don't know how many times he went out. He knew he was going to come back one of those days. And he gets out of the house. He's looking out, out there. He knows he's coming. One of these days, one of these days he's going to show up. Do you see God's love? He was waiting. How long did he wait? Until he ran out of rope. And then he pulled the rope. And he fell down. But the interesting thing is that once he saw him, he said, he what? He ran. Can you imagine that? He ran. How many times has God run towards you? He ran. 
And when he got to where he was, he says he kissed him, embrace him, and kiss him. Have you ever felt that from your Lord? He had this speech ready. He wanted to somehow attain a place where he could be worthy of that love. And he didn't care about that speech. He didn't even listen to it. Right away, he kissed him, embraced him. And they said, bring the best stuff. Let's take care of this fellow because he's back. And then the story changes and it's a sad story. He's over there and he hears the, you see he's working. He's out there working. Let's make sure we don't misunderstand that. But also it's a warning. Are you just working? Being faithful to you? Do you work to provide for this family? By forgetting the essentials? He forgot where he was. Could that be Washington? Could that be the move of God? And you are doing your part, so you think, but you are not doing what is essential. And so he, the, the scriptures that he was working, he was there on the fields, working, faithfully working. Was it late? Sounded like it was late. He's still working there. And he hears the, the singing and he says, the dancing, isn't that nice? The dancing, they were so happy, they were dancing. I always wanted to learn how to dance. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the dancing, the, the, there's happiness there. And once again, what is the, the theme there is repentance. He came back. Rather, he was drawn back. He was pulled back. And so he, he said, what's all that noise about? He said, well, he said, there's a party going on there. Your brother came back. And if you read it from different versions, you see, through a fit. Another version says he sulk. He got angry. He blew his top. He was very angry. Yeah. I was reading that and I thought, oh Lord, help me. Not to have that attitude. Not to be like that. He was working yet, he didn't know his father. He was very angry. But, but what happens again? The father goes out. Mm -hmm. Isn't that good? He went out for both of them. Both of them were wrong. And he goes out. And he said, why don't you come in? We're celebrating. And he said what David said. Look, I've been here working all the time. I've been a faithful worker. I've never gone on a vacation. 
Never going to have fun, just to have fun. No, I've been here all the time and I have not gotten anything. What a vision. He couldn't see anything. He's there, yet he's not there. Let us be careful. This is a warning. You can be here and not being here. You can be in this move and not being in this move. You can have, you have come to know the Lord and yet you don't know. Yet you are faithful. He said, not even a little goat. Nothing. And the Lord's answer is so beautiful. He said, my son. My son. You're always here. I'm always here. And everything that is mine is yours. Have we seen that? Everything that is his is ours. Everything. Everything he has is ours. He could not see that. The story ends there. The father, still the father. One repented, the other one, I don't know what happens, he doesn't tell us what happens. So you see, it appears to me that it's a harder case than the first one. The first one just, I mean, and then he tells the story because I have I read it in many, many versions and he never says what the son, the other son says. And then he says also, your son, your son, not my brother, your son, not my brother, your son spent all the money with harlots. But if you read the, the whole thing, it doesn't say that at the beginning. I mean, it could be, but it doesn't say it. But this fellow says, yeah. And then when the Lord answers him, when the father answers him, he said, your brother. Once again, let us be careful. We don't say, your son, not my brother. You see, you are my brother. Regardless of where you are, regardless of where I am, I'm your brother. Whether I'm doing okay or not, I'm your brother. Whether you think I'm a good son or not, I'm your brother. And God has to remind him of that. He said, your brother, because he has said, your son. That's the end of the story. Isaiah 61. When the Lord Jesus begins his ministry, he comes to his hometown. He goes into the synagogue. And as was customary, they ask him to read a scripture. And he takes a scripture, opens up this book and reads, reads this scripture and he says, today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled right in front of you. But they didn't see it. A couple of verses later, they want to stone him. They, want, they run him out of town. Evidently, they didn't see that that scripture had been fulfilled there. And what does the scripture say? Because this is our calling. And not only our calling, but this is what God is doing with us. 
but also we we talk about growth we talk about being like him then if, if that's the, the case then some of these same virtues will have to be visible in us too it's encouraging us to do some of these things and needless to say we cannot do any of them unless the holy spirit is doing it through us otherwise it'll be be just uh, acting acting finally gets tiring and acting finally uh, is seen by what it is and you know what what discovers that testing testing shows what's really there just like in the sun hunger showed what it was there after all there was some hunger there in that boy after all he did remember his father but testing is what brought it up when he ran out of everything have you run out of your money you spend it all it's a good place to be at so this is what he says the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor or the version says to the lowly to the humble it brings good tidings to the poor to the lowly to the humble he sent me to heal the brokenhearted there are many things that can break our hearts as we go through life a lot of them are unexpected most of them are but good news is that that's why he came for yeah. he came for us he came for you to proclaim liberty to the captives you see whatever captivate us this is the good news we can be free there's freedom there i don't care what the problem is or, or well he doesn't care what the problem is or whatever is the uh, what you bound to it whatever you slave to it he has come to proclaim liberty to you and to me and so we need to remember that where we can escape the prison we can get out of that prison and he said uh, liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound so are you bound am i bound this morning yeah testing will show that but look don't don't put your eyes on the testing look at this he said opening to the of the uh, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound and so this are the good news we can be free i think it was at the youth camp when brother richard spoke he said that uh, 
if I remember right, that community was not the message. And so these principles are universal. They operate here, they operate anywhere else. So that when you are anywhere else, this is still true. This is still the truth. You can be free. You don't need to be a prisoner. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. We need to remember this when we're sad, when something has happened with us. We need to remember that he is there to come for us. He came for us. He said to give them beauty for ashes. You see, it's a transformation. He, he, he changes everything. I think that's the meaning of all things work together for good. So out of, of those tragedies, out of those things that we, that, that we see, he's going to turn that into something beautiful. Can you, can you uh, witness to that? Yeah. Has that happened to you? It has happened before. And it's going to keep happening. And he said, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's something very difficult to go through. Especially when it's emotionally. I mean, everything is okay, but because of what you're going through, it's a heaviness that comes to our spirits. And he says here, he's going to give us instead of that garment of praise. So what? That we will be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So may the Lord bless you. Father, we thank you for uh, the life that you give when you breathe on us, when you speak to us. Uh, give us a capacity we have not known and avoid with our affiliation with what we see. Give us a trust for the unseen and for the mystical, uh, invisible, Father that you are to us. Give us a stronger rootedness that we may trust every step of the way in Jesus' name. Amen.